Good evening, folks. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we're in your very presence. Thank you, love each and every individual in this room. We welcome you here, God, and we, we, we celebrate you. We love you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the true God. Thank you, you're not distant, but you're very, very close. Thank you, Lord. Just keep your eyes closed. I just felt God say there's a number of situations he's laid in my heart. There's, there's someone here, and you had laryngitis, but it then it kind of morphed, and you've now got a problem on the top of your lung, and God wants to heal you tonight. There's someone else here. You have a speech impediment, but you can trace its beginnings from an event that happened, a negative event, and God wants to reverse that tonight. Also, someone here in your right ear, it's like you're, it's like you're underwater, specifically in the right ear. God wants to release you from that tonight. There's someone here in the right kneecap that keeps popping out. That's, that's the best I can describe it. It's, it's, I just saw it clicking in and out, and God wants to give you complete freedom from that tonight and heal your knee in Jesus' name. There's also someone here, and it's right there, it's actually, again, the right-hand side, your hip, your right-hand hip, it, it's dropping on the right-hand side. It's, it's like it's, it's an angle downwards, and God wants us to level that out tonight by his power. He's very able to do that. And I also heard there's someone here, and this is, this is to do with your your heart, you've had, uh, there was an event and it stole your joy and it, it should have just been, a, you know, but, but that's actually, the event's come and gone, it's a long time ago and still you're battling with that joylessness. And also I believe there's someone in the tech teams and it's like a, I saw a sharpness hitting your heart and I, I believe it's, it's some sort of heartbreak and Jesus wants, Jesus has shown us that because he wants you to know that he knows and He's going to bring healing in your heart. So come mighty Lord Jesus Christ, by your Holy Spirit, move among us. And those people, just if, if, that's one of, if, if you're one of those people, just open your hands before him just now. Lord Jesus, just let your mighty healing hand just rest on them now in Jesus' name and bring those answers like only you can. Now God, I, I pray for all of us tonight, you would speak as we turn to the Bible. I pray you'd Enlighten our hearts, build our faith, and we give this time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 There was a, a, a priest, a pastor, I haven't got to the Bible yet, just to be clear in this one, and a rabbi, and they were discussing who was the most effective in their ministry. And so they decided they would give themselves a test that they would all go off into the woods, find a bear and try and convert the bear and then reconvene in a day later and discuss how they got on. So they all disappeared off to do the thing. Day later, they're, they're back there again and the priest goes first. He said, I had a great time. He said, I found, found a bear. I took the bear through the catechisms and then I sprinkled holy water in the bear and then he's agreed to do his first communion next week. And the pastor was, that was fantastic. And then the pastor said, I, I had a great time. I, I found a bear in the woods near a stream I preached about Jesus and the resurrection. And then I laid hands on the bear and I prayed in tongues for a period. And then I baptized the bear in the stream. And the, and the priest was saying, that's incredible. And they both turned to the rabbi and the rabbi's there in crutches, bandaged head to toe. So obviously it didn't go that well for him. And they said, and what happened to you? And he says, well, looking back, I probably shouldn't have started with circumcision. <laughs> <laughs> 
but God does want you to be effective. He really does. And your effectiveness does not come from your cleverness. It comes from what Terry and what Dave has been talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that power that's going to make you effective. Uh, I, 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 uh, I grew up in Glasgow, and uh, I was dragged along to church as a kid. My parents went to Presbyterian church, and I went there week after week, but I wasn't living for God. I believed that God was there, but I wasn't following him. When I was 15 years old, two of my mates got saved, and I saw such a dramatic change in their lives. It was, it was the real deal, and it got my attention. And I remember one particular evening in a little lane at the back of where I lived, I stopped in the lane, and I repented for my sins, and I gave my whole life to following Jesus. Some of you tonight maybe aren't yet followers of Jesus. So good you're here. And tonight, why not make the best decision of your life tonight and become a follower, a lifelong follower of Jesus? So I got saved when I was 15. He forgave my sins. I trusted him. He forgave my sins because of his death and resurrection. And I continued in the Presbyterian church for maybe another four years. But during that time, as I was reading the Bible, I saw, okay, the Bible says get baptized. So, hey, it's, you're, the Bible's above tradition. So I said, right, I'm going to get baptized in water. I found a, a, little, a little gypsy Pentecostal church along the road from me that agreed to baptize me. And, and I experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit as well at that time. And then when I went to study architecture at Strathclyde University. And it's when I was there, I started attending what is now Destiny Church in Glasgow. And uh, it was cool to be in a church that kind of just was full of the Holy Spirit and teaching the Bible. And I really grew in my faith there. As I came towards the last year of my studies, I had a, a huge double passion in my soul. I had a passion for the local church. I believe in the local church. And at the same time, I had a growing passion for the city of Edinburgh. And it was irrational. No one had suggested anything about Edinburgh to me. It was just a passion for Edinburgh and the local church. One afternoon, Andrew Owen, who's my mentor, called me into his office and he said, Pete, uh, me and a guy called Bryn Jones have been praying and we really feel it's time to plant a church from Glasgow into Edinburgh. Would you ever consider this? Because we can't get your name out of our heads. <laughs> and I hadn't shared that passion with anyone, but I, I was able to say, well, to be honest, for the last nine months, the biggest passion in my soul is Edinburgh and planting a church. So we concluded God was in this. And so 21 years ago, when I was 21, kicked off the church in Edinburgh. And uh, when I say kicked off, I mean, that sounds very dramatic. It wasn't very dramatic, trust me. <laughs> there was a handful of people in my living room on a Tuesday night. That's kind of how it went. I worked full-time as an architect in the, in the, in the city, and I, I juggled that and ministry. In fact, the first guy we got coming along to our church, he had really long hair and a beard, and he just looked like Jesus. And I figured, if you're going to start a church, if you can get a guy who looks just like Jesus, I mean, that's got to be a good start, right? It's got to count for something. And, and the, church, the church grew. The first, first year, we had about five people. Uh, and then the next year, it really grew. We had about eight. <laughs> and the long and short of it is it took us five years to get to 50 people. It was pretty undramatic. And, uh, and, and it was hard going, hard, really hard going. So, so I get the church plant thing. Um, and you've got to know that the Lord has called you to do it. And that word from God keeps you, gives you the stickability to not quit and to keep going. And, and then year five, we, God told me to do three things. He, he spoke to me very clearly. Number one, I was to leave architecture and give myself full time to the ministry. And number two, we were to relocate our church to Leith. You know, think train spotting, north edge of Edinburgh. 
And then number three, he spoke to me, clear as a bell. This summer, you're going to get your first building in Edinburgh. And that was, a, that was new news to me. So I followed his leads. And the long and short of it is we got this little old cinema building in Leith. And that year, we went from 50 through the 100 mark as people got saved. And the next year, through the 200 mark as people got saved. And the next year, through the 300 mark. And we had to go to multiple services. And, and, uh, and you know, by God's grace, today, we're, we're several locations across the city and we've seen a lot of new birth growth. Many thousands of people have come to Christ in our services. And we're just grateful to Jesus that he builds his church. Uh, a kind of bedrock verse for me is a famous thing that Jesus said. It says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and verse 18, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he said, and you can say this with me, one, two, three. I will build, wait, 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 just pause. For Stephen and I say, let's say it together, one, two, three. That means we say it together, all right? So, one, two, three, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus was telling us exactly what he was going to do after his incredible death and resurrection and ascension. He's not sitting on the throne of the universe, twiddling his thumbs. His sleeves are rolled up. He's active. He's building something. He's doing one thing. He's building this thing called the church of Jesus Christ. It's his biggest passion. He calls it his house. He calls it the bride. And Jesus is so passionate about the church. And that's what he's building. If you're building that, well, you're doing exactly the thing he's doing. So Jesus said, I'm building my church. And he says, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, At first glance, it sounds a little bit like a defensive statement. Oh no, those gates. Okay, uh, but I grew up in Glasgow. Has anyone anyone ever been attacked by gates before? (laughs) Hands up, anyone? Okay, in Glasgow I had knives pulled on me. I never had anyone pull a gate on me, never. (laughs) You know, seriously, I, I don't think it's a defensive statement. Okay, let me ask this. Has anyone ever found a gate hard to open? Ah, okay, now we're, now we're getting at it. You see, what Jesus was saying is that it wasn't a, a defensive statement, not in any, not in any way. It was, a, it was an offensive statement. He's saying that I'm going to build my church, and there are territories which have previously said, you can't come in here, but actually those territories are going to have to give way because the, the powers of darkness which have held territories and peoples and people groups and territories for so long, the only thing on earth that can actually overcome that and take that territory back is this thing called the church of Jesus Christ. The very thing he's building. He's going to build his church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, notice Jesus said this in a particular place at a particular time. Jesus was always deliberate in the way he spoke. He used everything. He hijacked marriages and, and, and money and, and farming. And he used all those things as illustrations to make eternal points. And so here he is in a place called Caesarea Philippi. That's what it says in the, in the verse. It says when he came to Caesarea Philippi. Now, if you look at the geography of Israel, it's Caesarea Philippi is in the Northern Territory, just, just at the foothills of Mount Hermon, which Mount Hermon is the highest point in the land of Israel up north. And Caesarea Philippi is significant because it is the source of the River Jordan. And the River Jordan flows all the way from Caesarea Philippi all the way down heading south through Lake Galilee, continues south to Lower Jordan, all the way down to the lowest point on planet Earth, 
minus 400 meters below sea level, the Dead Sea. So Jesus chose to reveal his identity and his mission at the source of a river that waters the whole land. Now, if you know anything about the Jordan, you'll know that if it, if it wasn't for the River Jordan, the land of Israel would be a barren, desolate place. It's the River Jordan that provides irrigation for that land, so therefore it's fertile and green. So the river that waters the entire lands, it was at the source of that river that he said, I'm going to build my church. Also, the River Jordan flows from the highest point in the lands to the lowest of the lowest point, not just of the lands, but of planet Earth. And Jesus deliberately chose to tell us, I'm going to build my church. And he said it in a place that is a source of a river that waters the whole land. In other words, the very thing that's going to bring blessing and life to the lands is the church of Jesus Christ. It's the thing that brings life wherever it goes. Wherever the churches get, just get traction, then life comes in communities. That's what happens. And also the church is just incredible habit of gravitating towards the deadest and darkest places. No, no go areas. In fact, often the light shines brightest when there's the darkness. Often the grace is the loudest when there's the most sin. And that's exactly the trajectory of the local church. I love the local church. I absolutely love it. And we see Jesus did that. He built his church. He's building his church. He built it after his resurrection, the disciples gathered small numbers, 120 of them. The Holy Spirit came in power, and we see the eruption of growth. The church just grew. And in those early centuries, it went from, in fact, those early years, it went from the sacred center of planet Earth, Jerusalem, all the way to the secular center of Earth, Rome, in the 30-year span of the book of Acts. It's this trajectory, always going from the heights to the lowest because that's what God desires to do. And here we are, thousands of years later, 2,000 years later, and the church of Jesus Christ is the most exciting thing on earth. Sometimes I, I play with people, uh, they, they might, in a coffee shop, they might say, so, so what do you actually do? I don't tell them I'm a pastor. I'll say something like, I work for the world's largest organization. <laughs> we have over 30 million employees. And we have hundreds of millions of volunteer staff, hundreds of millions. We have a branch in every city and town on planet earth. And every day we grow by 100,000 new members. And every week we establish 4,500 new branches. And they say, this is incredible. Do you work for Apple or, or Google or something? And you imagine their face when I say, I work for the church. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. But the church, Ezekiel had a vision and this vision was of the house of God and this river flowing from the house of God. And, and the, the picture is about the church. And, and he said this famous phrase, he said, and we're going to say it together. Ready? Ezekiel chapter 47, verse nine, Ezekiel said this, wherever the river flows, everything will live. Where the river flows, everything will live. And that's exactly how it's gone. Uh, th there was an emperor in the ancient world, Emperor Julian. He wrote a letter to a pagan friends, and he described the Christians, and he said, we can't stop these Christians. The reason they're so popular is the Jews take care of the Jewish poor, the Greeks take care of the Greek poor, the Romans take care of the Roman poor, but the Christians, man, they take care of them all. <laughs> and, and that's exactly wherever the river goes, everything just comes to life. So all over this world, there are 
aid organizations. You don't see many atheist aid organizations, folks. Proof is in the pudding. The church has birthed the vast majority of the aid organizations, caring for the elderly and the orphans, educational systems all over this world. It's brought life and joy and just existence and, and abundance to multitudes of people on earth. We see education, healthcare, the abolition of slavery. We see legal systems all birthed from the teachings of Jesus and the influence of the local church. You see, quite frankly, if you were a gambler, if you were a gambler 2,000 years ago and you were placing bets on the Roman Empire with the Neros and Caesars and their infrastructure and their legions and their wealth or a blonde hippie with flip-flops and a slightly dubious crowd of followers. Where would you place your bets? You know, which one's going to succeed over the next two millennia? And here we are. I mean, where would you place your bets? And here we are 2,000 years later, and we're calling our kids Peter and Mary and Paul, but we're calling our dogs Nero and Caesar. (laughs) So the church has won. (laughs) Because the reality is, Nothing else is going to bring transformation in society more than alive, God-glorifying, spirit-filled, Bible-based, people-loving, gospel-preaching, poor-helping, disciple-making local churches. That's what Jesus is building. He said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Question is, this river, this, this thing that's going to bring blessing to the world, this, this church of Jesus Christ, how is that river going to flow? So I figured everyone else has preached on John 7, so I may as well preach on John 7 as well. So here's how the river flows. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers, say rivers. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. How are cities, families, communities going to be impacted by the life-giving presence of God? The answer isn't going to fall from the sky. The answer is going to flow from within you. You're carrying the revival your family, your community, your city, and your town needs. It's flowing, this river is flowing from the people of God collectively. It's called the church of Jesus Christ. It's not just an abstract concept that the church will change the world. No, no, the church is going to change the world as the people of God allow that river to flow from within them. And this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. Now, it's what you drink. You're thirsting, you have this drink. And then all of a sudden you drink of the Holy Spirit and then it becomes in you a fountain. What you drink becomes a fountain. Now, This gift is incredibly expensive. Do not take this gift for granted. Comes at huge expense. There was a lady one day, she was in town in a jeweler's. And she saw the diamond ring she'd been looking for. And she sent a text message to her husband. Honey, I've seen this amazing diamond ring. It will cost £10,000. Can I buy it please? A text came back pretty quickly. (laughs) No price too high. She couldn't believe it. He so loves me. So she bought the diamond ring and came home and she brought it out and said to the husband, 
I can't believe you love me this much. And she showed her the diamond ring. And he, he nearly fell over. He said, what? I said, no, price too high. <laughs> but he forgot the comma. He forgot the comma. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there was no price too high. He paid the highest price for you to have the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus, it was in the last and the greatest day of the festival that Jesus stood up and said, the Holy Spirit's coming. The festival was the festival of tabernacles. Every year, the Jews would gather several points in the year. Tabernacles was one moment where they gathered specifically to remember their journeys through the wilderness, their time journeying when they lived in tents. So what would happen all over Jerusalem is the Jewish people would live in tents on the, in the lanes and on the parks or on the roofs. Uh, it, was just, it was just like Glastonbury. It was just like Glastonbury in that they, they stayed in tents, but in every other way, not like Glastonbury. <laughs> it's just like Ashburnham. It's just like Ashburnham. That's a better analogy. So they were just camping all around Jerusalem remembering how God, you took us those 40 years through the wilderness. And on the last day of the festival, something very significant happens. The, the Jewish high priests would travel to the, would, would, would go with a crowd to the pool of Siloam, would take water in a jug, and would carry the water in a jug from the pool of Siloam all the way up to the temple area. And a huge procession of people would follow, and there would be great rejoicing. And this was the moment where they remembered how, in the wilderness, when they were thirsty and they called out to Moses and said, we need water. That how God provided water. And here's how God provided water. God said to Moses, Exodus chapter 17, verse 6, strike the rock and the water will come out of it for you and the people to drink. How many people know the whole Bible is about Jesus? The rock is a picture of Jesus Christ. And the rivers of living water flowed only when the rock was struck. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus was struck. The reason he stood up on that greatest day of the festival was because he's saying, I'm the rock who's going to be struck, and because I'm getting struck, you get power. You get the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ died in your place, took your sins so you could take his righteousness, willing to go through hell for you because he's unwilling to go to heaven without you, took your condemnation so you will never be condemned was punished so you'll never be punished he took it all for you and on the third day resurrected and ascended back to the father that's why it says the holy spirit had not yet been given because jesus had not yet been glorified it needed to be paid for before you got it and you get the holy spirit so never take for granted you, you pray in tongues it's like, oh i pray in tongues you have this the, the very presence of god the holy spirit i mean how could the holy spirit dwell in a unholy people well the answer is unholy people despite our behavior sometimes have been cleansed and declared holy by the sacrifice of christ on the cross anyone grateful for jesus sacrifice on the cross wow he loves you so much now if you don't know jesus if you're not saved you're lost and you need saved tonight put your faith in jesus who died for you on the cross and who rose again. Don't live another day on earth without trusting your whole future into his hands. He's alive. He's here right now. Commit your life to him tonight. I will give you an opportunity to do that at the end. So Jesus made this gift available at huge expense. And he talks about this gift that can flow through us. You know, 
That work for us was complete. And now his work through us could begin. And then the second part, I want to I I talk to you about three ways you can just go with this flow. Number one, drink. Say drink. Not like Dale was talking about along there. I'm talking about real drink. Drink. The verse says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That moment came on the day of Pentecost. And you see it in the book of Acts chapter 2. And it says there was 120 of them. Now, those 120 people on the, on the day of Pentecost, 120 people, we don't know who they all were. We know the apostles were there. We know some of Jesus' siblings were there. James, Jude, others. Mary was there. That's amazing. But there was about 100 or so others. We don't even know their names. But they were there. There was ordinary believers along with the superstars. Ordinary believers. Some of them were teachers. Some of them were businessmen or women. Some of them were just mums and dads. Ordinary people. You'll never know their name. But they were there. And it says in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, it says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Say each of them. All of them. Say all of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There was a flame in every head. Everyone got the anointing, the empowering for mission. Whether you were the famous apostle or whether you were a nobody that no one will ever know your name, you got the flame too. Everyone, everyone wants, God wants to fill everyone. Everyone in this auditorium, every single one of you from the back row, far right, far left, every single one of you, God wants to fill you all. Every single one of you, every one of you, a flame on every head. Fill you all with the Holy Spirit. And this is how this river will flow. It will flow from within us. And we collectively, the church of Jesus Christ, will bring life to the land. I love it. One of my favorite parts of church history is a century ago, 1906. A one-eyed black man called William Seymour, son of African slaves, was in Los Angeles. And he was asked to host a prayer meeting. The prayer meeting was in North Bonnie Brace. Sounds like somewhere in Scotland, not somewhere in Los Angeles. But he hosted this prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, they were seeking God to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. William Seymour himself hadn't yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And yet he was preaching about it all the time. Interesting. He was convinced about something. He was longing for an experience. Thirst. And so they were seeking God. And then one night, the Holy Spirit came in power. And, it's, and the record records that the, the people in the, in the house were all filled with the Holy Spirit, start speaking in tongues. One lady, in fact, Jenny Moore, she fell off her seat and she stood up singing in tongues. And she walked over to the piano, never played the piano in her life, and played fluently the piano and could do for the rest of her life. Incredible. I mean, wow. Woo-hoo. That's crazy. But that's okay, because anything's possible. The Holy Spirit came, and this is incredible phenomena. And there was this huge thing happening in this little house in North Bonnie Brace. Anyway, the crowds gather outside because of the commotion on the inside. Crowds gather outside. So William Seymour, the church history records that he would stand on the porch on the outside of the little house there, and he preached to the crowds that gathered, just like Peter did in the day of Pentecost. 
And the crowds gathered night after night, and hundreds of them were getting saved as William Seymour was preaching to the crowds. In fact, the crowds go so big that actually they started crowding around him, and the porch collapsed, so they figured we need a new venue. So that's when they moved into 312 Azuzu Street, an old stable building in the African-American quarter of Los Angeles. How many people know that great things are birthed in stables? (laughs) Yay. An old stable building, 12 meters by 16 meters, not very big. They packed in 800 people inside, 500 people on the outskirts. Do not tell the health and safety people. 500 people on the street, 800 people inside, three times a day, seven days a week for three years. And th- this, this was the Pentecostal awakening, revival. Thousands upon thousands of people experienced the baptism with the Holy Spirit, something that had been largely neglected, even though God made it possible at huge expense, had been largely neglected. And miracles were happening. People in the middle of worship time started seeing, blind people seeing Upstairs in Azuzu Street, the walls were filled with calipers and crutches and canes of people who'd been miraculously healed and were able to walk. God was doing a great thing. It was the birth of a move of God. Today, statistics tell us there are 700 million people in Pentecostal charismatic churches today. That's one in 10 people on earth. The Pentecostal charismatic church movement of which we are a part is the fastest growing thing, not just in Christianity, but the fastest growing thing on the planet. One in 10 people on earth are in a Pentecostal charismatic church. And you frontiers, these are your roots. These are your roots. And your roots aren't just what got you to where you are. The roots are what will get you to where God wants you to go. I really believe that. I believe that's from God. That your roots are not just what got you to where you are, but your roots are what will take you into your future. I love that. I love that. People say, well, you mean you're talking about the swinging from the chandelier Christians, the kind of crazy charismatics. The ca- yeah, them, them, you. Yeah. And, and to be fair, that's okay. Our Lord died on the cross and resurrected on the third day. I think it's okay to be a bit excited, a little bit overzealous. No problem. I have a problem with someone who says they believe that, that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, and they're so bland. You don't even think, did you have a pulse? And they're, and they're religious and bland, and they think, seriously, do you haven't even have a pulse? I think it's okay to be a little bit loopy, and we have to rein you in. Better to be that than so bland, we even wonder, do you really even believe in the resurrection? You get it? So no problem. Now, I grew up in a Presbyterian church, and I, I, I wasn't taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I remember reading the Bible. And I just started reading the text. In fact, I remember one night in particular, I was lying in my bath at home reading the book of Acts. And I just suddenly realized, why wouldn't God do this today? Why, why would we assume this is not there? I mean, why wouldn't God do this today? And I ran across to my friend's house. Sorry, I got myself dried off. Put my clothes on, <laughs> clothes on. Then went across to my friend Brian's house. I said, Brian you got to see it. So he, he, like me, was, was in a little, at a church of Scotland, and we, we, we sat down together and read these verses. I said, Brian, do you not think God will want to do this? And he didn't have an idea. I didn't, we hadn't any charismatic background or experience. But he said, well, why don't we ask God? So I got on my knees in his bedroom, and he placed his hands on my head, and he prayed that God would baptize me and fill me with the Holy Spirit, just like he did with the people in the early church. 
And that night, I, I became aware of his presence. Now, we know he's everywhere. But you know there's points, points where you think, oh, he's really here. You maybe felt that in the worship times. And it was like that. I said, oh, wow, he's really here. And the next thing I know, I start speaking a language I've never learned. I start speaking in tongues. And I, again, Terry presented this so clearly this morning. We prayed for it. And many of you were baptized with the Holy Spirit this morning. You can be prayed for again tonight. You can come forward again, be prayed for again, receive from God, speak in tongues. But you know, I, I also believe that God wants to say, you've got to stay thirsty. Hey, it's great. I was baptized with the Holy Spirit when I was 15, way back then. Great testimony. But you've got to stay thirsty. You've got to stay, say, stay thirsty. <laughs> Tap your neighbor and give them some advice. Say, stay thirsty. <laughs> Tell them, you need to stay thirsty. <laughs> it says in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 14, Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Do you earnestly desire spiritual gifts? When I hear earnestly desire spiritual gifts, it sounds like God's putting the ball in my court, right? If it was just up to God, well, God, if, well, if you... If you want to give me these gifts, then I'm open. Well, God will say, well, well, whatever. I think there's got to be a bit of hunger. You have any idea how much I paid for you to have these available? Earnestly desire. Go after this. Don't have an old testimony. Live in the reality of this. This is not just your roots, new frontiers. This is your future. Our cities are longing for charismatic churches, powerful charismatic churches. Folks, charismatic Christianity is biblical Christianity. Without charismatic, it's not biblical. I don't care how scholarly people sound. If they don't just read the text and say, well, God is God and he will do these things, then I don't care what they claim. Biblical Christianity is charismatic Christianity. You have to be a theologian to believe otherwise. <laughs> and many do. Many do. That's why Jesus said, come like a child. Just read the text. Lie in your bath. Just read the text. Assume that God hasn't changed and just go after it with everything within you. Earnestly desire spiritual gift. Some of you haven't prophesied for years. Honestly, some of you haven't prophesied for years. Some of your testimonies of what, of what God did do. But I believe God wants to do even greater things in the days ahead through your life. Give you more experiences of his power working through you in the days ahead than he even has in the days past. Earnestly desire. And so at the end, we're going to give opportunity. The, the leaders are going to be available. We're going to be praying over people. And what God wants to do in that moment is not just baptize people who have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, but he wants to, you can be refilled. You can be refilled. That happened in Acts. They came back and said, God, give us boldness. And the place where they were sitting was shaken. And they were all filled again. Same people. Filled again with the Holy Spirit. You can be refilled. Earnestly desire. It's time to get some current testimonies. Say amen if you agree. Amen. Second point. Drink is number one. Number two. Learn to go with this flow. As Dave commented, the word, the name title given to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is the helper. It's the Greek word parakletos. 
the one who's called alongside us to help. So we've got to learn to go with his gentle leadings and go with the flow. I would illustrate helper like a guy in a car. It's like you're driving along in the car of your life. And the picture isn't that God comes along and says, you're doing a rubbish job of this. Budge over. You sit in the passenger seat. I'm now in control and God is now driving. That's not the picture. God's not come to control your life. That's what demons do. It's called possession. God doesn't do that. God doesn't come to control your life. and Instead, he comes to put you back in control of life. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. He comes to put you back in control. See, he comes incredibly, incredibly. He comes into the passenger seat. And he gets your hand and says, now get a grip. So you get a grip. And he said, okay, now follow my lead. So turn right, turn left, speed up. Okay, now, now that's the day. And so there's two ways you can get to my house. Either I can give you the map and good luck to you. Or I can give you a map and jump in the passenger seat and guide you. And then you will get there. God hasn't just given us his words. He's given us his word and his spirit. The word is infallible, inerrant, God-inspired, ultimate word of the Lord. But the Holy Spirit has come to guide you and direct you and whisper to you. You've got to learn to go with his flow. And in the book of Acts, that's exactly what believers did. And it came ever so gently. You could miss it if you didn't listen. Acts eight twenty nine, The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And so Philip went up to the chariot and he met a man from Ethiopia And he told him the gospel, and Ethiopia and Africa was impacted. He brought the gospel to Africa. Just heard the Spirit, the gospel comes to a continent. Just heard the Spirit, go and stand near a chariot. The gospel comes to a continent. Acts chapter 10, verse 19. The Spirit said to him, that's Peter, behold, three men are looking for you. And this took Peter right out of his comfort zone. But the Holy Spirit said to him. And so he went with these three men and it resulted in him reaching the first Gentile grouping in, in, in Cornelius' house in Caesarea. And hey, if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't be in this room today. Why? Because Peter heard the Holy Spirit say, go with these three men. Also, it can happen this way. Acts 16 verse 6. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, don't go there. Don't take that opportunity. Avoid that job. Stay away from that girl. <laughs> as well as saying, take that opportunity. Push that door. You need to be tuned in to the... This will give you a huge advantage. Walking currently and actively with the Holy Spirit. One of our... We have four locations and church online as well. Five locations in Edinburgh. Our latest physical location was in the south of Edinburgh. And we were really feeling God was calling us to plant in that part of town. And we were praying, God, who should lead it? And as we were praying, there was a couple who had just got saved maybe four years before, Jordan and Jody, and we just really felt that God was highlighting them as they're the ones to lead the way in the south. So I took them for lunch, and I sat them down, and I, I talked to them about how we wanted to plant in the south of Edinburgh, and I said... I really felt God say that, and my team agrees, that you're the ones to lead it. And they were really blown away, and they were encouraged, and it it kind of resonated with them. But I said to them, but here's the deal. You need to hear that, not just from me, you need to hear that from God. Because when the rubber hits the roads, and the challenges come, as it will, 
you need to have a word from God. You heard it from him, not just from pastor. You need to have heard it from God. So I, they were encouraged. They felt it was the Lord. But they left that meeting praying specifically, God, would you confirm if this is you? That's the prayers they left. Anyway, that afternoon, they arrive home. They open the door. And as they walk in the door from that meeting, the phone rings. And it was Jordan's grandfather from the Scottish borders. And his grandfather said, Jordan, I knew I needed to phone you today. 42 years ago, before your grandmother and I were married, a lady came up to us in our church in the Scottish borders. And she prophesied to us, miracle number one, someone prophesied in the Scottish borders. (laughs) I mean, where does that happen? What church is that? Think, what? Little, wow. So, this, this lady prophesied 42 years ago before my grandmother, grand, your grandmother and I were married. This lady prophesied to us and she said, someone will come into your family who will do the work of God. Now, Jordan, I've got that prophecy until today. And I just remembered it and I knew it's, it's, Jordan, it's our Jordan. I knew I needed to phone you and, rem- and tell you this prophecy. He got that phone call as he came in the door. How cool is that? Oh, I love that. Now, this is an adventure, but this is for everyone. Fire on everyone, flame on every head, all were filled. Same parakletos, everyone gets to do this adventure. And by the way, it's not just for us to say, oh, how cool an adventure. This is for the rescuing of a world. It's pretty serious stuff, this. And he will lead you. He'll lead you to the right jobs. He'll lead you to the right spouse. He'll lead you to the right communities. The Holy Spirit wants to whisper. So you've got to go with the paracletos. He will give you an edge and an advantage that you would not have if you just blindly used strategy. And then number three, finally, allow yourself to be drawn to need. The River Jordan, where Jesus declared, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, was the source, it was the source of the River Jordan that just flowed out from under the rocks at Mount Hermon it flowed all the way down to the lowest point on planet earth. And I think God wants you to know that there's something about this flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives that just gravitates towards need, towards the lowest point, deadest places, darkest places. Jesus said in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Poor isn't necessarily how much money you've got in your account. Poor is people who are at the lowest point. It needs. Desperate. It can be physical poverty, but it is so much more than that. And often, and you know this yourself, often it's when you were at that lowest point that all of a sudden the good news became good news for you. And the Spirit of the Lord will cause you to gravitate towards that. If you let him you will be drawn towards need. There was an advert on the side of a South African plumber's van. And on the side of this plumber's van, it said this, there is no place too deep, too dark, or too dirty for us to handle. (laughs) And I think you can have that inside of your church. There is no place too dark, too deep, too dirty for us to handle. The Holy Spirit wants to cause you to gravitate. That flow is heading to the Dead Sea. I remember uh, a few months ago, one of our locations in Gorgie, 
and on Gorgie Roads, me and a couple of others were out. We were just talking to people about faith. And as I walked past one particular street, I saw a guy on the corner of my eye, and I knew I needed to go and speak to him. And so I went over to speak to the guy, and I asked him a very pointed question. I asked him, if you were to die today, are you sure beyond all shadow of a doubt you're going to be with God forever in heaven? And the guy burst into tears. He went on to explain that the day before he'd given up his flat, and just before he met me, he'd just given up his mobile phone, and he was on his way to take his life. So he pulled out his pockets, all these blades, and he was on his way to take his life. And, and I asked him, if you were to die today, are you sure beyond all shadow of a doubt you're going to be with God in heaven? And then he went on to say that some of the things I've done, I could never be forgiven for. So I told him of the robustness of the cross and the total sufficiency. It wasn't just a man on the cross. It was God dying for you. His blood could cleanse any sin. No matter who you are, you can be forgiven. I told him this. And right there in the street, he asked to accept Jesus. And he, I, I led him in this prayer, and he prayed and accepted Jesus. And on the day he was going to take his life, he got eternal life. Isn't that great? I love that. I love that. And what the Holy Spirit will do is, the Holy Spirit will draw you, it will draw you, woo you, and draw you towards that need. There's a picture in the Old Testament. Genesis 22 is a picture of Jesus being sacrificed. You know, when Abraham was told, sacrifice your son Isaac, picture of Jesus being sacrificed. Incredible picture for us. Genesis 24, however, actually follows the picture on. Genesis 24 is the description of Abraham sending his senior servant to get a bride for his son Isaac. And the story goes that Abraham wanted a, a wife for his son. So he took his senior servant in the household. We find in another place in Genesis, his name was Eliza. And he sent him to get a bride for his son Isaac. And Eliza went to the territory where he was going to find a bride. And through a sequence of events, he found Rebecca. And, I, and Eliza then went on to describe the greatness of the son to Rebecca, the wealth of the son, and the inheritance of the son. And then the question was asked, Rebecca, will you go with this man, with this servant? And she said, and it was a huge step of faith, to go with a servant, to marry a man you'd never met. Huge step of faith. She said, I will go. And then that journey proceeds where they, they carry the, you know, all, the, all their belongings and camels and they travel back to the lands and then they see Isaac coming down and the, Rebecca comes off her camels and then they meet. There's this incredible union between Rebecca and Isaac. But the picture is, is so much about Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And the picture is this, that Abraham represents God the Father. Eliza, interesting in Hebrew, the name Eliza is the Hebrew word for helper. That God the Father sent the helper to get a bride for his son Jesus Christ so the Holy Spirit is on a mission big style he's on a mission and he's gravitating towards dead places dark places he's on a mission if you allow him you can go on that mission too he will draw you towards death as it was a 
coming home the other night there, just, I'd been working and I was coming back to my house. I was going through an area of town, uh, there was a park, and it was rush hour, busy traffic. And I, as I was driving past this park, there was three lads on a park bench. And I just glanced, gla- glanced over as one of the lads was taking a swig of his beer and threw the can into the distance. And I drove on, as I drove on, I heard God say so clearly, I really love them. And I have a purpose for each of them. I heard it. And I knew I had to tell them. So I kept driving. <laughs> I went to the first roundabout. And then I went to the second roundabout. I thought, because it was rush hour, it's busy. I thought, I have to go back. So I, I turned rounds and went all the way back to the park. I thought, you live once. Why would you not just go for it? <laughs> so I went back. And I, as I was walking up to them, I parked my car. As I was walking up to them in the park bench, the Holy Spirit said to me, one of them is deeply troubled about a family issue. So I went up to them and said, hey guys, God told me to come and talk to you. <laughs> so they switched their music system off and, and, and they said, what? <laughs> and so I said, God wants to tell me, me to tell you that he really, really loves you and he has a purpose for your life. And they said, so wait a minute, God told you to tell us that? I said, yeah, he did. And they said, are you serious? They were blown away. And then I said, and one of you, you're really troubled about a situation back home. And the, the lad in the middle said, that's me. I said, my mum's started drinking heavy and I can't, I can't face going home. And there's him drinking heavy on a park bench. It's kind of 17, 18-year-old lads. So I got to pray with them, hold their hands, prayed for them, laid hands on the lad in the middle, asked God to bless him in particular. And we said goodbye. But the Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, has not just come to help you. He has an agenda. And his, he loves you so much. Boy, does he love you so much. But he wants to love you, through you so much. He wants to love through you. So you're thirsty. Yeah, drink. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit before, drink. Or come and get as much as you can. But believers, are you thirsty still? You've got the testimonies from the past. God's done great things through you. They almost, the testimonies almost seem abstract. You know they were real, but they seem like so far removed from reality because they're so long ago. You know what I'm talking about? God wants to give you current testimonies, this week testimonies, when you go back to work testimonies, an adventure with God, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you so much for your amazing love for each and every person in this auditorium. You know every life, and you have a great plan and purpose. We welcome you here, mighty Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, you're so real, so tangible, and you love people. Before we go on to pray for lots of situations, I want to give you an opportunity this evening. If you're here tonight, and you haven't yet decided to follow Jesus, I'm so thrilled you're here. God brought you here. Maybe your friend invited you, but behind it, I think God's brought you here. And tonight, why not make the greatest decision of your life while everyone else is in prayer? Why not you make a decision? Very simply, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I invite you to repeat this prayer after me, just one line at a time, under your breath. Not out loud, under your breath. This is between you and God. 
So if that's you and you want to become a follower of Jesus tonight, pray this prayer with me. This is, for you. This is between you and God. Pray with me. Dear Lord God, thank you for your love for me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, paying the price for all my sin. I acknowledge I am a sinner and I need you to be my savior. I believe in the third day you rose from the dead. I believe you're alive right now. Tonight, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I choose to become your follower. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. Thank you for hearing my prayer and accepting me as yours. Everyone keep your eyes closed. I want to pray for anyone tonight who prayed that prayer. There might be one or, or two or more, but you are so special to God. While everyone else's eyes are closed, just so I know who I'm praying for, just quickly, if you prayed that prayer, quickly raise your hand so I can see it. Just quickly, go. Thank you. Where else? There's others. Thank you. Raise your hand. If that's you tonight, you said, that's me. Thank you. Tonight, that's me. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. The greatest decision of your life. Any last, anyone else? You, before I pray, thank you, mate. God has heard you. Anyone else? The raising of the hand is not the important bit. The important bit is what you've just done. You've just made a decision. Anyone else before I pray? Thank you. That's awesome. So God, thank you so much for these precious people tonight in your presence they've just prayed the greatest prayer of their lives Jesus they've asked you for forgiveness and the Bible says when someone does that their sins are forgiven they're now heaven bound they're children of God they've just, they've just been adopted into the family of God thank you for saving them God thank you for loving them thank you for saving them Jesus thank you their sins are forgiven they're now righteous and accepted by God. Oh God, bless them as they go on in this journey with you. My precious friends, you just made that decision. Please, would you tell your friend that you came to this conference with or talk to one of the pastors. Whatever happens, tell someone you did that. We want to help you grow in this journey. We want to help you find a good church, be plugged in and grow in your faith. Now the rest of us, let's stand to our feet. Can I have a... A prayer team, just a line of prayer team right along the front, maybe even around the sides there. Uh, prayer partners, pastors, leaders, uh, prayer partners, just come forward. Filing, come, come. Right, line right along the front here around the sides. So there's many things God wants to do tonight. For you, if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, you were prayed for this morning maybe, you want to pray for again, you come forward. The big call is this. Your roots are your future. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit maybe for many years, but maybe it's been a long time since you, you stepped out and let God use you afresh. Make a fresh commitment tonight, just where you're standing. God, I earnestly desire, use me again. And why not seal that by coming forward, getting someone to lay hands on you and pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. That's for you. You come forward. If you need healing tonight, God is in the house. Anything can happen when God is here. So whether you're one of the people I mentioned earlier or another situation, 
you come forward. We're going to worship God, but don't wait. You come forward. God is here. Let's worship. Let's receive. And let's see God do great things. And for the rest of us, let's not spectator sport. Let's press into God. Let's worship our Savior.